G'day and welcome to the next instalment of SciFlix, the SciFlix events, which is the uh, science outreach collaboration between Tune FM, um, UNE Life and the Belgrave Cinema here in Armidale. Um, so the next film we have coming up is the original Robocop from 1987 um, and talking with it is UNE computer scientist Dr Eddie Sadgrove. Welcome Eddie. Yeah, good day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good, thank you. Um, so, usually in these chats, I just like to um, hear a little bit about you and your research, firstly at the start. Mm. So, um, tell us a little bit about your research area and what you do here at UNE. Yeah. Uh, well, I think probably the best way to answer this is to, um, I guess, uh, uh, describe the area of artificial intelligence and then where my area fits into it. Please do. Yeah. So we tend to view artificial intelligence as a, uh, a multifaceted system. Uh, so as the old expression goes, uh, many hands make light work. Uh, this is certainly true for artificial intelligence as well. Uh, so... Uh, we break it up into multiple subsystems. So there's uh, systems for sensing, uh, which is perceiving the environment. Uh, we have systems for which we call actuators, uh, which perform actions on the environment. And we also have the brains of the, uh, the robot as well, which is where the machine learning algorithms come in. Uh, within the machine learning algorithms, there's a, there's a whole heap of uh, subfields as well. Uh, there's obviously machine learning algorithms which control how the robot moves within an environment, uh, uh, avoids obstacles. Uh, it'll obviously keep some kind of model in memory, uh, which allow it to do that, and uh, some kind of reward system as well. So it knows to uh, do some things and avoid others as well. So uh, we call that uh, reinforcement learning. Um, and so my area is uh, a subfield of that again. So uh, again, artificial intelligence uh, is obviously this main broad area. Uh, whereas ML is, uh, or machine learning is a subset of that. And I'm in an even uh, smaller subset called computer vision. And computer vision is about uh, perceiving the environment. So we have what's called machine vision, uh, which is the cameras and how they perceive the environment. It can be any kind of visual data and there's, there's multiple spectrums that we could use. Uh, we also have sensors for touch and stuff like that, but um, that's obviously not my area. Uh, but anyway, so my area is computer vision. Uh, so we tend to use machine learning algorithms to try to perceive objects in the environment and we use uh, multiple different attributes to do that. So uh, we, I tend to use uh, RGB at the moment uh, simply because it is the, the most freely available. It's the, it's the cheapest way to uh, record any kind of data in an environment. Uh, but it's also, it tends to be very difficult uh, to, um, to get real shape data out of uh, a two-dimensional form, which is what a, 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 obviously an image ends up being. Uh, so it's it's a difficult area, uh, but we are uh, making a bit of headway by experimenting with different kinds of hardware and all those kinds of things. Wow. Um, yeah, no, it's... That's uh, amazing. So is it kind of like you're... Are you try, sounds like you're trying to replicate the, like, human vision? Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Is that, is that right? Yeah, human vision or just vision in general? Um, uh, well... Uh, I think uh, when we talk about this quite a bit, it's um, uh, we do try to replicate uh, what happens naturally in biology because that's our best point of reference, I guess you could say. Uh, we know that the human eye works quite well, uh, so we do try to do that. But we also need to keep in mind that uh, computers do some things better than uh, than humans do. So humans are um, 
uh, are very good at context, uh, but uh, machines are very good at processing things quickly and uh, avoiding some of the areas that a lazy human brain would make. So uh, we try to uh, get down to the features that, um, uh, that maybe the human eye can't perceive or maybe the human eye uh, can't really process very quickly. So uh, when it comes to maybe the species of a plant, which is something we do quite a bit, uh, we try to drill down into the texture. We try to drill into the shape. We can't, uh, we don't actually have any sensors to feel the plant because sometimes uh, obviously uh, the guys at DPI tell me that they, uh, in order to uh, determine what species this plant is, we need to get down and we, we feel the leaves and there's a clear difference. But it's Right, not yeah, because sometimes they're like yeah. furry or smooth or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's trying to find... Uh, Obviously, avoiding the stuff that they don't, the the robots don't do well, or maybe the the data we just simply don't have at the moment, uh, and yeah, knuckling down to the stuff that um, computers do well, which is processing things very quickly. And, so cool. Yeah, so yeah. I think you were kind of hinting at some of the applications of the work. Like, to, so yeah. is it about replicating a human eye to put into someone's body, or is it about making a completely different thing for a different purpose? Yeah, so I guess I could talk about some of the um, uh, the projects that we're working on at the moment. Yes, please. Uh, so I'm working on a, uh, a multi-million dollar grant at the moment, um, uh, which is a federal government grant. And we're working with an industry partner, um, uh, agent-oriented software in Melbourne. And we're also working with uh, QUT uh, in Queensland as well. Uh, so our aspect of the project is, of course, the computer vision algorithms. And we have a team for that, which is really good. Uh, the government grant paid for a postdoc and uh, also a stipend for a... Um, uh, PhD, which is very useful. Um, the company also has uh, defense contracts. So I'll get to the application, yeah, the application yeah, yeah. in a second, which is, I guess has some relevance to um, uh, to what we're doing uh, in this um, uh, oh, this movie, rather. It has a bit to do with this movie, uh, considering it is a defense contract. But so uh, we're primarily looking at weeds. And so what we're doing is we're, um, uh, they've got a, uh, what they call the Kelpie, which is a, uh, uh, it's a half a million dollar. Uh, is it a uh, robo dog? Tell me it's a robo dog. No, it's not, oh. unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's a UGV, so it's an unmanned ground vehicle or unpersoned, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, we're attaching, uh, at the moment, we're just using a high resolution uh, machine learning camera and we're catching um, RGB data at the moment. But as I said, we are experimenting with multispectral and a few other things. Uh, so our job is primarily to perceive that data for the, from the robots. So uh, for us, it is the identification of uh, the weeds on the ground. Uh, and then, of course, we've got to find a spray point as well and spray the weeds. And, um, and it's actually a, it's a very difficult area. And uh, so things like, um, obviously, uh, face morphology, uh, uh, stuff that um, certain governments are doing to uh, keep an eye on their citizens, uh, to recognise individual faces. and Yeah, and, that's and controversial, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that stuff is actually a lot easier than what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> so it's actually quite difficult to perceive um, a... Um, uh, like a, a noxious weed. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so we have problems such as, um, and I'm not a weed expert at all, but we have problems such as trying to differentiate between power and tussock. So oh. power tussock and serrated tussock. So one's a native species, which kangaroos love and, and cattle love as well. And and so there's these fine differences between it. And that's where it comes down to, you know, some of the guys at DFI telling, oh, no, there's a difference. You can tell, you know, you just touch it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> which we can't do. So, so yeah, no, that's, that's basically what we're trying to do. Um, but it, it obviously, you know, this this company that we're working with has defense contracts as well. And so um, 
uh, at the moment we say, well, it's, it's obviously being used for flower power because we're trying to, you know, uh, preserve, uh, preserve some of the native species as well as um, protect the crops and all those kinds of things. So generate food, but also uh, protect the um, environment. So we're also reducing the amount of chemical that's going into yeah, the environment that's by great. being uh, very precise with what we spray. Uh, but obviously, yeah, so it's, it could be used for flower power now, but later on it's probably going to have a military wow. <laughs> application. Wow. That's really no cool. Over, so. so, like, do yeah. you think, like, the end game for these, they're Kelpies, yeah. right? The Kelpies. Uh, yeah. That, you know, every farmer has one on their property and that goes around and sort of maintains the, the yeah. weed population on their land. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the idea. But as I said, at the moment, it's uh, it's it's quite expensive technology. Right. Of so, course, it, yeah. yeah. But maybe in the future when things yeah, become yeah, a little bit absolutely. more achievable. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of things like, um, and I guess gamers would understand this one, uh, graphics cards are quite expensive at the moment, especially with the chip shortage. Um, so waiting for them to come down in price because we can obviously process image data, matrixy data uh, very quickly on uh, those kinds of hardware. So waiting for them to come down in price or waiting for, I guess, a um, uh, something that can run on a battery-powered device would be good as well because at the moment we, we have to rely on diesel uh, because well. <laughs> because of the amount of power that um, a lot of these um, these chips are absorbing in order to process things quickly. Because so, we're trying to do, uh, obviously, process multiple frames a second as we're driving around a paddock at hopefully full speed. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, spray and continue, spray and continue. Wow. Yeah, so. And another thing you sort of you mentioned about the um, the defense mm. aspect. Like, yeah. I won, I mean, in, in for, from my perspective, a lot of... Um, uh, like military applications sort of yeah. become every day kind of yeah. like people say, wow, this Band-Aid was developed for like medical applications in the military, you know, yep. but that you're sort of talking about something going the other way, that you're sort of starting with this flower power aspect and it's been fed up to the military. Do you, yeah. is that, so is that how it's going to happen? Yeah, I guess so. I think probably a lot of things are starting. I mean, obviously the um, wars have advanced technology mm. at a, a staggering rate as well, which is um, obviously a... Uh, a problem uh, you know if, if people if industry are viewing things that way but um yeah no it, it tends to be how it happens obviously you know, i guess um the first uh, vehicles that could fly were you know someone's experiment they're having a little bit of fun and um uh and then eventually they found a military application for them uh, but it, and obviously in our case um uh, the australian government has a um uh, a big focus on ag science at the moment so uh, that's where the money's going rather than um, obviously military. So, yeah. yeah. What would be the yeah. application for this kind of thing in a defence context? Um, well, I think uh, sometimes it's it's quite difficult to uh, to maybe find a, chem a camouflaged object uh, in terrain. Uh, we tend to deal with green on green uh, in our applications. So, uh, so that is obviously a, a green weed on next to another green weed that looks very similar. Uh, so the ability to uh, identify objects such as you know a tank or some kind of armament um, mm -hmm. moving through a field in uh, heavily uh, camouflaged terrain, then yeah, I think it would probably have a really good application there. Yeah, mm. yeah, I can definitely see that. Mm. Um, and keeping people out of the picture and using machines rather than you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, that seems sensible. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, yeah, if we're talking about, yeah, unmanned, because oh, that's obviously another uh, thing that they're working on as well. It's the automation of the, the UGV that we've been talking about as well. Uh, unfortunately, that's not what we're working on here. QUT is working on the um, the automation side of things, and they uh-huh. have uh, quite a good team up there that's doing that. So, so cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got one more question for you about um, you and your research. So, yeah, yeah. Um, how did how did you get involved in like what's what was your pathway into this area and like what would you recommend for somebody who would be interested in doing something similar? Oh right, well I obviously I started out doing a um, a trade uh, in electronics and uh, interestingly enough uh, movies like RoboCop that I watched as a kid and also Terminator which I shouldn't have watched as a kid. But, um, yeah, no, they, they obviously inspired me. I wanted to work in um, uh, electronics primarily, but I also had an interest in software, and I've been doing quite a bit of programming in school. And um, Were you one of those yeah. kids that just pulled stuff apart to see how it worked? Uh, I can yeah, see that. And, and broke it in the process. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So you started out doing a trade, and then so what made you switch to academia? Um, well, uh, I mean, I work with some lovely people. I don't want to, you know, go into that too much. But, but um, uh, especially working as a service engineer in electronics, uh, uh, it's much cheaper to say replace replace an electrical circuit board rather than do a repair on it. So that tended to be the focus. You'd be walking around uh, as a board jockey. That's what they used right. to call it. So you would yeah. find a problem with this machine and go, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I guess I'll replace the main board. I see, and right. And to the next one. You're like, oh. And you, so you'd never actually work out the problem. You would just replace yeah, the Yeah, and that's that's what I found most interesting is trying to work out those problems and the complexity of it. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. It might be an ego thing. I have no idea. Just fascinating, <laughs> yeah. I suppose. Like it is yeah, interesting yeah. about like trying to work out why things don't work and do work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I um I um I left that and uh, and I, I think I, I took a, a gap year and went to Europe and <laughs> yes, did a few other things. Very and, good. Yeah, and my brother was doing a PhD here, so I ended up. Um, what did he do? Uh, biochemistry. Okay, uh, right. Uh, pharmaceuticals, I think ethno uh, biology or, or something like that. Wow. Pharmaceuticals, something like that. I don't know. It's okay. A very interesting area. <laughs> so you came back here. So you're hmm. an Armadale person. Uh, no, no. Okay. No, I'm from uh, Dubbo area. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you both end up gravitating to UNE. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think I had family here. There's another family member here that was doing that degree as well. Um, so, yeah, I just decided oh, I might as well, you know, do that um, software engineering degree that I was thinking about doing years ago when I left school, but decided to do a degree instead. Uh, sorry, decided to do a trade instead. Uh, but anyway, so I got into that and uh, and obviously uh, I think uh, <laughs> this whole, uh, you know, board jockey stuff kind of burned me a little bit. So uh, I ended up doing my honours and I did my honours in um, uh, databases, which is data structures and optimising data structures, which is surprisingly related to what I am doing now. Um uh, and I was motivated with the fact that I didn't want to go back to work. So I ended up putting... <laughs> I know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up putting... Uh, oh, I must have been spending a good eight, nine hours a day uh, doing my honours. So you have to write a thesis, which is 20,000 words, but you're also doing quite a bit of research and trying to write these algorithms and getting them to work and understanding a field which you didn't cover in your, your degree, obviously. So it's a, you know, you kind of learn on the go. Oh, yeah. Honours is full on. It's, yeah, one, no, it's it a is. wonderful opportunity, but, yeah, it's a full yeah. on year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. say, like PhDs are, are, are slow honours or whatever they call it. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I did my PhD and I was like, yeah. wow, that was much easier than my honours. <laughs> yeah, no, it is a little bit, yeah. 
but uh, obviously, the uh, uh, yeah, if you want to publish and stuff like that, there's a little bit more stress involved in that side of things. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I, so I did um, I did data structures and uh, I had a um, uh, particularly good um, uh, supervisor who was very interested in these these intricate algorithms and and optimizing them and all these kinds of things. So how to traverse a data structure as quickly as possible. And, and surprisingly, that lends itself particularly well to what I'm doing now, which is working with um, uh, artificial neural networks, uh, which is simulating the human brain. It has a very similar structure to the, uh, the stat trees, which I was working on in well, databases yeah. and optimizing how to search through them as quickly as possible. So, so what I'm doing at the moment is, uh, is generating these large complex structures uh, and then formulating them in a way uh, where I can perceive uh, the best attributes from uh, the environment we're trying to perceive, and then um, yeah, and obviously process that and come to conclusion very quickly, so that we can throw that on a battery-powered device, and you know, and, and create this ex- inexpensive machine that can um, uh, wander through a paddock and um, yeah, make all these decisions for us. So that's so cool. And yeah. so um, for students maybe here or wanting to come, what's mm. the pathway like? Is it honors enough, or you know, you're looking for yeah. research students, or what um, projects have you got going on for students? Um, Oh yeah, so I think I think PhDs do help. Uh, honors help as well. Uh, you can work as a research assistant, and you can certainly learn quite a bit uh, in your own uh, experimentation at home. But I think you need to be quite motivated. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me personally, I, I do need the, um, the the assessment deadline or the you know the paper de- the conference deadline or the yep. uh, the grant deadline or something <laughs> like that to really motivate me and push me forward. So. I think and also having all these people around you, all these uh, experts uh, around you, we have a few other guys who work in computer vision as well here. Um, I think I'm probably the, the leading person for the ag science side of things mm-hmm. and, um, and obviously I teach the AI unit as well. So, uh, But, yeah, having those experts around you to uh, help uh, nourish your, um, yeah. uh, your expertise and push you forward to motivate you. I think it's, I think it's very helpful. The so sort think, of yeah. fertile collaborative relationships. Yeah. That, like yeah. that's yeah. always been quite important for us too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think a, a big one is finding what you're interested in. I think that's, that's the big thing. So for me, as I said, I found that I was interested in um, optimizing uh, complex data structures and, uh, and developing algorithms that can traverse them very quickly. And so that obviously lends itself to computer vision as, uh, quite well, as I said. Um, but uh, you might find something else that interests you. I mean, you don't have to do computer vision, obviously. You, you could um, you could do automation. Uh, I mean, you don't even have to get into some of these complex structures. You could uh, develop some, uh, uh, I guess, some uh, simpler algorithms um, uh, that could solve uh, very complex problems. Anyway, so that's a... <laughs> there's lots of different yeah. options i suppose you yeah, know like yeah. and i think that's the wonderful um mm. the wonderful thing about a journey in yeah. science like you just start with yeah, the thing yeah. that you're interested in and yeah. then you follow your nose and you never yeah. know where you'll end up you yeah know? and that's and that's the beauty of academia as yep. well it's like you're not knuckled down to you know being a board jockey and <laughs> that's right yeah, yeah lots of yeah. options lots of people around yeah. Yeah. okay cool let's talk about the film yeah so yeah. um you did say before that you watched RoboCop when you were little. Yeah. So how? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. I've actually never seen it. Oh right. And so yeah. I'm a little nervous about seeing it because apparently yeah. it's extremely violent and yeah. very gory. <laughs> so is that your memory of it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. but you, you, it did seem to have some kind of impression on you as a you know a budding computer scientist as well. Yeah. Maybe you could yeah. talk a little bit about that. Your impressions of it. Um. So, yeah. It's uh. 
Um, I, I guess it's a cyberpunk movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, don't know, I don't know. There's. I think you call them practical effects. In, right. You know, yeah, so. they are. So they, you know, yeah. instead of um, special mm. effects, they're yeah. practical. It's in the eighties, and they yeah. didn't have really like high tech computers. <laughs> yeah. So sorry. I, this is probably a bit beside the point, but. Um, I think that they, they generate a lot of interest because of the, the artistry that went into designing a lot of those costumes. Uh, so obviously, I mean, there's, a lot of, there's some artistry that goes into the CGI and stuff like that. But yep. I don't know, there's something about working with your hands and and um, yeah, developing the armour that he had. And it was yeah. Just, yeah, it's just a very, as a kid, I just th- thought it was a very cool outfit, you know. It's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I think as well yeah. there's like a machine there's a machine in the film as mm. well that I think is animated by stop motion. Yeah, yeah. Like, and yeah. I am really excited to see the film because I yeah. think that it's going to be this kind of cr- like really cool mishmash of what is it? It was meant mm. to be really high tech science and yeah. very low fi effects. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 80s. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's. Uh, I think obviously talking about you know I guess we'll end up talking about this the uh, uh, this battle between human and um, and machine. So you get to see the, some of the limitations of the, the machine and, and what its capabilities are. And then you see this, uh, uh, the Robocop who has a, still, I think still has a human brain and he's right. able to defeat these uh, Yeah. <laughs> these so like and, your, cause yeah. your science is sort of about making mm. a, a machine brain yeah. that does, that kind of operates like a human brain. But I yeah. guess this film's a bit like planting a human brain inside a machine, you know? So yeah, it's a bit different. Yeah. Like, what do you think about that? Is that, is that even possible? <laughs> yeah, well, I was actually, uh, I mean, I've, I've been thinking about it for quite a bit. I remember watching a documentary, um, I think it might have been before I did my degree, uh, where a bunch of uh, individuals controversially uh, extracted a rat's brain and attached it to a... Um, <laughs> Um, attached it to a circuit board. Whoa. And I've forgotten what the... I think it's called Electro something. I actually wrote it down. Cool. That's freaky science. Yes, yeah, it's freaky science. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't think I did write it down, but uh, but yeah, it's a certain kind of uh, circuit. And what they do is uh, so we're we're obviously doing artificial neural networks. So the, the idea yeah. here is uh, we're trying to artificially uh, recreate the human brain in digital electronics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one way we can do that is um, by using something like a, a neuromorphic chip, uh, which is something that. Um, IBM and I think I think it's IBM and Microsoft are working on at the moment. So, uh, but we mostly use, as I said, we mostly use graphics processing cards and stuff like that to process the matrices really quickly. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so the, we're trying to do that artificially. But um, they've actually found that uh, uh, there is some limitations to that. So, uh, and one of them, of course, uh, is um, uh, is it is how we perceive the brain to be. So uh, a lot of these neural networks, uh, all these artificial neural networks, were developed, um, or that they were primarily developed in the seventies. And uh, wow, when we had yeah, so we had this perception of how the human brain worked back then. And uh, is and that does that still hold up now? Uh, well, we've obviously made a lot of progress, mm-hmm. uh, but it tends to have uh, built upon their foundations. Uh, so we, we still don't, uh, obviously I'm not a biologist, um, I'm not going to speak for them, but uh, I, I don't think we have a, a far understanding, we still don't have a far understanding of how, uh, how the brain works. Um, uh, to be able to sort yeah. of replicate it effectively, do you? Yeah, think? yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we're obviously making progress yeah. and we're certainly getting there. Uh, but, uh, so there's been this uh, whole a branch of research <laughs> which raises a lot of ethical problems where they're using um, uh both uh, grown human brain tissue 
which is something called uh, dish brain. <laughs> wow. Uh, and obviously the, the rat one that I was just talking about. But they, they found that it was able to learn at a much faster rate than our artificial neural networks. Uh, and um, For the people playing at home, my jaw is on the floor. Yeah. So I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, no, it's called, um, uh, the one they're working on at the moment is called Dish Brain. I think it's uh, Cortical Labs in Australia. My goodness. Yeah, is working on there it. There are so. some ethical, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. an ethical minefield. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. But I guess yeah. for like, I was just thinking and I had this, I I'd, I'd told this um or told you this example, like where mm. the... People are kind of blending b- machines into bodies now, I guess, for yeah. medical purposes. And the example that yeah. I thought of was that my dad has a pacemaker that yeah. is yeah. the it Bluetooths the data to his doctor. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you know he and it is it he just got it put in a little while yeah. ago, and, yeah. and you think, my goodness, you know what? It, and that's a great application. You know, he yeah, doesn't have absolutely. to go to the doctor yeah. every few months to get that data yeah. kind of dropped yeah. out of it. Um, so you know, mm. though there are those kinds of applications, but then it's. So it does seem like it can go down into some very dark territory, some dark yeah, science, right? Yeah, and uh, obviously I'm not going to question, you know, because obviously this goes down the path of transhumanism as well, but, uh, which is, a, you know, a very cyberpunk it's very, thing. It's cyberpunk. It's like it's got a bit of yeah. like a philosophical kind of, you know, yeah. what does it mean to be human kind yeah, of an yeah, aspect too. Yeah, and I think, I think if, you know, once those technology, once the technology becomes a, like more available and it becomes a, a bit better, so some, something like uh, replacing someone's limb with, you know, titanium and... <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know. But it's, then they uh, could like punch through walls and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. So you, know, you, that you would could be actually, cool. um, you know, you see some of the, the body modifications that people are doing already. It's quite um, easy to, uh, to say that, you know, someone's going to to want to do that to themselves. So. Yeah. 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 It's a, um, a really interesting and kind of mm. murky area. I yeah. quite like it actually. Yeah. Um, and wonderful, um, wonderful subject matter for science fiction. Yeah, no, and absolutely. We'll yeah. always be thinking about that sort of stuff, how we're going to yeah. proceed with it in the future. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So um, actually I was going to ask you, because um, that, that theme in science fiction, you know, yeah. it keeps kind of coming back, you know, how do we, how can yeah. we augment and modify human bodies? There's lots of books yeah. and films about it as well. Mm. Um, and um, I was going to ask you what you thought the most interesting aspect of the film was, if you can remember all the way back to when you watched it, or maybe even um, now as an adult and a scientist, what do you think yeah. the, the, ta- um, the really important takeaway well, obviously, uh, and I think I touched on it already. I, that battle between human and um, and robots, and the you know the human uh, uh, coming to turn, coming to grips with its emotions, and uh, you know rediscovering themselves, and and then um, uh, then obviously defeating this <laughs> uh, this robot, which was completely electronic from from memory. Obviously, I haven't seen it in a while. Oh yeah, that's the stop motion yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you know that's uh, you know good for us, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You no, know, so I thought it was a I thought it was a very good um, uh, I don't know the, you know the good versus evil, but yeah. also the uh, the man versus industry as well. Yeah, and it's a bit yeah. of a it's like a social commentary yeah. as well on like a police state, I suppose. Yeah. You yeah know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that I think is a theme that's going to keep coming back. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. doesn't matter what yeah. politics are happening at the time. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. so um. We were talking about artificial intelligence being quite controversial and, mm. you know, having uh, ethical sort of um, yeah. grey areas. Um, mm. 
But do you think it could actually become dangerous? People talk about, you know, maybe one day if we will just, there'll be a tipping point and then AI is just going to take over and they'll be much more intelligent than us and we won't be able to fight back. Is that a realistic future? <laughs> uh, well, obviously, if we, if we go down the, uh, the, the path of this biotechnology uh, where they're using uh, real human uh, and biological tissue, I think it's... Uh, it's probably quite possible, but obviously the, the hardware needs to accelerate with that. Uh, if we're talking about purely digital electronics, um, I think there's a, there's a really good analogy, which I often use, uh, between uh, digital photography and uh, analog photography. And obviously I can't speak for photographers either, but, <laughs> but um, uh, my understanding is that uh, most of them uh, prefer analog photography. They say that it is uh, better, they perceive it as uh, a better technology. Uh, because the, the quality of the image uh, is better. Uh, but it's very hard to see, obviously, without you know taking a close look at the image. So we would say that um, uh, when it comes to digital uh, photography, so a digital camera, uh, the images that they produce are, um, uh, are at the point where we can't tell the difference. Wow. Uh, so yeah. I think that's probably what's going to happen in artificial intelligence. I think there's certain things that humans do that we don't understand quite yet. We may understand one day, but it's. I think we also need to keep in mind that uh, uh, we should avoid circular reasoning as well to say that, oh, we'll eventually understand that and uh, when it might not be the case. Uh, I mean, there's a very good likelihood that one day we will understand something like, uh, say, human consciousness or something like that, which uh, we can say that, you, that robots clearly don't have because we know the environments where that exists and that does not exist in uh, robotics. Uh, and of course, if we have human tissue, maybe it will. Um, wow. Yeah, wow. So. Mind is blown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sorry, I keep touching on these controversial topics, but, yes. it's, but it, it, I'm talking about But that's them, why so. it's so interesting, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm not giving, obviously not giving my own views, but, uh, you know, I'm touching on these topics because they do exist and people yep. are exploring these areas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so do you hmm. think that, um, so my next question was, and maybe you've already answered it because yeah. I, I was like, I was, well, my last question, hmm. would it be better or worse to have machines be controlled directly by human minds yeah. rather than just have artificial intelligence? But if you're telling me that the, the most effective or the best AI hmm. systems are kind of grafted onto brain tissue anyway, maybe that kind of question's a bit moot. Yeah. Well, Obviously, it's still a, it's still an area that, uh, this, that they're exploring. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, um, so they're still figuring things out in that area. So I can't I can't say for sure that that's better, but there does seem to be things that it do, that it does do better. And we do know mm. that humans do certain things better as well. Um, like just going, I guess, uh, continuing on uh, a little bit from the previous uh, mm. question as well. Uh, when it comes to something like, I, I think uh, Elon Musk touched on this and also Zuckerberg, I think, mm. <laughs> touched on it a little bit as well, this idea of legislating uh, against uh, AI. I think we should be careful not to, to stimmy or halt progress uh, in artificial intelligence, uh, simply because there's, there's areas that are, um, are quite ethical, mm. um, uh, especially in digital electronics, uh, where um, we can explore them. Uh, and we should explore them without uh, any government interference because uh, we want to progress uh, because they are they're tools that aid humans. I think that's probably the best way to right. describe them. Uh, so we want to um, we want to progress them. We want to uh, uh, what would you call it? So obviously the pacemaker being a very good example. We want to uh, assist humans uh, 
uh, to uh, rehabilitate them, to give them a, a better quality of life, mm-hmm. I, I think. And so I think that AI should be considered um, a tool, not not an adversary, <laughs> not, a, not another intellect uh, that we're going to go to war with. I think it's very interesting in films, but I think in reality it's far better to perceive them as a tool rather than... Um, uh, than that kind of thing. So, so when it comes to um, legislation, I think we should legislate against human stupidity. And, and not <laughs> that is a good it. point. <laughs> yeah. So you would not uh, you would not um, put an AI in charge of a nuclear warhead. You simply would not. <laughs> yeah. So I think that it would be better to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I think that there's a very very good reason for this. Uh, so. Obviously, we use training data uh, to train our algorithms. So I use, uh, you know, several thousand images of one species of weed in order to uh, allow an artificial intelligence to uh, to understand what that weed looks like and extract the most meaningful features from it. Um, if we're going to train an AI on um, whether or not it should uh, use a nuclear warhead, uh, it's going to have uh, Hiroshima in its data set. So it's going to go, well, okay, well, that ended a war once. Wow, yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah, and so, terrifying. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so I think, and so, and, and also, and as I said, uh, we can't program context very well for exactly, AI. Yeah. Uh, we can't. We do, we can't give it emotions. It can't experience itself subjectively. Yeah, the values yeah. that you would attach to certain yeah. things, like there's probably it would everything would be perceived as equal. Is that? Yeah. Or can you attach yeah, value so, to different concepts or images? Uh, you yeah, know, you can. You definitely can. So okay. as I said, you can attach a reward system to it. Oh, uh, that's so cool. I called it as I said before. That's uh, it's a form of reinforcement learning. Yep. Uh, which is a, a very interesting uh, area, and I think that's one we're making uh, real progress in. Uh, but uh, as they say, um, uh, we can do anything with the right data and uh, and we probably can't account for everything. And that's I think that's the biggest issue. Mm. So uh, we're, we're limited to our own perspective of things. So obviously we want to create AI that uh, has its ability to learn on its own, but we're still the ones that are formulating those structures for which that it learns, like the for, uh, in it, like uh, the, uh, yeah, the structure that it learns from. Yeah. Sure. So... Um, uh, so it's still limited by our understanding of an intellect, and um, and that's I guess that's a that's a big thing. Uh, yeah, uh, we can't. Uh, we can obviously experience things subjectively, but we can't view ourselves in the third person and uh, mm. and see how our intellect works uh, to its its fullest extent, and and then uh, copy that and and produce something that does the same thing or better. So it's yeah. But as I said, we are making progress and using that digital versus analog photography. We're probably going to get to the point where you know, we have AI that quite easily passes, say, the, the Turing test or something yeah, like right. that. But uh, we might be setting the bench a little low when it comes to the Turing test, surprisingly. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Look, I'm yeah. I'm thinking of a thousand questions again. Like, they're yeah. just backing up in my mind. But I think we might have to wrap up the interview for now. But yeah, yeah. I will hold them for the movie night. Yep, yep. And then I'll hit you um, when we've got an audience in front of you as well. And I'm sure yeah. there'll be lots of other questions. And I'm really, yeah. really excited to hear them. Yeah, it should so, be interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. So, thank you so much for chatting with us yeah. on Tune FM today. Yep. No worries. Uh, no worries. And so um, just so for everybody listening, make sure that you come down to see Robocop with Dr. Eddie Sadgrove mm-hmm. at the Belgrave Cinema on Wednesday, the 25th of May at 6 p.m. Yep. We'll see you there. Thanks, Eddie. See you there.